leading the conversation. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, in 2016, in April, we saw endless protests under the hashtag end rape culture and these protests spreading across multiple uh, universities in this country. And part of the main aim was to raise awareness about not just a pervasive culture of rape and sexual assault um, that had been taking place on various campuses, but it was also to raise concerns about policies that institutions have when it comes to dealing with rapes that happens on their campuses. And, you know, what was really put in, 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 in the forefront was the role of university management and the role that policies of universities play when it comes to perpetuating rape culture. Well, just in the past 48 hours, there have been two sexual assault campuses, sexual assault cases rather, that have emerged on university campuses. One in Stellenbosch University that has been condemned and um, I understand that the police have opened a case they're investigating. The said suspect there has been suspended from the institution. The other is at the University of Cape Town with that university publishing a statement and uh, there's been a lot of outrage about how the university has handled um, the the claims of racism, or not racism, of rape rather, by one of its students Um effectively saying that they had been in a process of trying to support her. She doesn't want to take the support of the university um, and they believe that she could well have another agenda. And she here is accusing one of her lecturers, one of the lecturers of, of rape. But the big question, of course, is about what both these stories tell us, which is that institutions of higher learning still very much remain unsafe spaces. Javu Baloyi is spokesperson of the Commission for Gender Equality, and he joins us now to be part of this conversation. We'll be also speaking to Andy Kawa, who is the founder of Kwanele Enough Foundation. Javu, let me begin with you and reflect on the fact that it's been six years since we saw those protests in 2016. And when one thinks about the social mobility around those protests, young people could not have made their voices any louder about what has been happening on institutions of high learning. But when we see some of the stories happen um, and the rapes that happen on, on campuses and how they dealt with, it very much suggests that there are no lessons being learned and that there's nothing being done differently um, to 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 address the, these matters on campus by institutions of higher learning. Um, thank you, Katie. Thank you for that. Um, you will recall the Commission for Gender Equality um, several times held um, hearings, uh, in this public hearings with the institution of higher learning, including the Tibet colleges. One of the things that we have realized and come to realize, Casey, is that there's a culture of hiding information by the top management of the university uh, trying to show a squeaky clean image on their campuses. Yet, when you investigate, our lawyers investigate on the ground and source information, there are massive cases which the university, because of the image, they, they keep on the ground. The one that you're referring to of UCT, where phone at night, 
uh, an official um, case was is going to be open with our office in Cape Town because the activists that you know are worried in how the university dealt with that. And on Wednesday, Casey, that's another show your point. I was at the University of Limpopo. As soon as I I, I left, students uh, followed me and asked for my numbers and said, you know what? Why why did you come so late to to the campus? Because you were speaking truth to power. Management was there when I was talking, and you realize these things are right, Casey. But it looks the Department of Higher Education also, uh, 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 Minister, uh, Deputy Minister Putiman Amnamela was doing something. But that thing has, 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 has certainly stopped. You know, we don't even hear about that council that was looking at issues of gender-based violence at the Institute of Higher Education. So we, we just want to grandstand and we say things, but there's no follow-up on the punitive measures what to be done against the vice-chancellors, against the, the management of these investors, because it's so appalling, Casey. When you talk about the experience that you had with students at the University of Limpopo and and how they approached you after the session, to me it says that there is a culture that doesn't allow people to feel that they can report these matters to institutions and be supported. So the confidence in actually raising one's voice um, about what has happened to them is, is simply not there. And universities don't seem to reflect on that. They don't seem to see see it as being part of their responsibility to create that kind of environment. Yes, they, they don't seem to be um, caring about that. Some of them, say, so we have to subpoena them because they know some of the rot that is going on within their campuses. I must have to say that, you know, we want to congratulate, even when I speak now, University of Death Brothers Rand. They have got the policy now, Casey, that is very tight, that they are following through, whereby a lecturer cannot fraternize with a student. You remember, there's a lot of sex for marks in these universities. It's not allegation. It's a fact that we have we established in various universities. And also University of Johannesburg, they've done, they're doing something and free state about these issues of sex for marks, whereby students, they don't, even the gender deaths that are being launched, they become white elephant because they just sent someone who came to mend the gender death. But the gender death is also swayed. Uh, the issues are skewed towards the, the, uh, the lecturers. We protect the image of the lecturers. Remember that, you know, um, expose one of their own, uh, I won't mention the name, the performing art, art, art person. Because the gender commission also got involved. What we always say, Casey, when they hear us on SAFM and SABC radio, we have got offices throughout where these learners can be assisted. If issues are not ventilated internally in the right way, therefore the Commission for Gender Equality, therefore the Human Rights Commission, we have dealt with a lot of cases in this institution of violence, whereby the universities were found to have erred and they were found to, to have done something wrong. They protect their own because of institutional memory. And forget about the health and the harm of the families. Look what's happening at Stellenbosch now. Families are up in arms. And because of something which the university could have done, then how do you suspend someone instead of expelling them because you have got evidence, you still want to investigate? And that is another thing that the student at the University of Nepal is complaining about. Andy, I want to bring you in here because, again, when, when we analyze how these responses are, it very much speaks to a mentality of victim blaming, but also one that, that trivializes rape culture and the burden continues to be on those who have been victimized to not only make sure that you know there is justice but to push for some form of change uh, Kathy, uh 
in 2014, that is eight years ago, I initiated a project with the universities through um, the uh, Higher Education South Africa, which is HISA, where I was uh, talking to universities about a novel project uh, similar to the It's On Us by Obama in the U.S., where campuses uh, embrace a zero tolerance against gender-based violence. That project uh, was uh, supported by various universities, and not all of them. I think that I had discussions with VITS, UJ, NMMU. uh, I launched the project and, and so forth. But what that meant was that if a university embraces the Guanele Enough Zero Tolerance um, initiative, it means that they will, uh, they will, first of all, acknowledge that the university is a place of learning. It's not a place of rape and, uh, and dealing with rape matters. And so whatever they do from, uh, the univer- from the time that the student comes, they sign a, an agreement with the university committing and understanding that the campus is zero tolerance to rape and if at all the student conducts uh, rape, these are the following things that will happen. And, and this, the u- university must be very clear about what happens when a student rapes. Unfortunately, most of the time, it is the victim who ends up leaving the university, leaving the college, because they are still confronted with, by, with their perpetrator. Also, they are not listened to by the university, and uh, the university is not taking a proactive stance against the incident. Some universities will say that they will wait for the police process to take its course. I mean, that is a laughable um, situation. Because we know that in this country, about 4%, only 4% of cases that are reported end up going to trial. So the university has a responsibility of creating a zero-tolerance company against gender-based violence. They have a responsibility of um, of having policies that are and and a mechanisms of dealing with the incident of rape when it happens. I think uh, I with, with the case of Stellenbosch, Stellenbosch has been through the process of identifying. I happen to have worked with some of their. Uh, 
there are people on, working on gender issues. They have a policy of what they do when a student commits rape. And uh, one of those things is suspension. And unfortunately, the people are not aware that there is an internal process that the students sign into. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that w- the, the, the suspension is one of the processes that are going to follow the investigation. And, and you know, the perpetrator, I, 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 yeah. the perpetrator cannot continue to be in campus with the victim. Mm. Andy, we're going to continue the conversation in a moment. And I want to talk about these internal processes because in the Stellenbosch matter, we have um, the student there initially being reluctant to actually um, approach these internal structures. And and given the fact that you've worked at the institution, I wonder what some of the reasons you think behind that might be. Um, this is the Thinking Point. You're live on the Talking Point. I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107. It's 9.30. Luyanda Maume is standing by with the latest headline. Well, we continue our Thinking Point this morning and we're looking at rape culture in, universe, in universities. Uh, Javu Baloyi is with the Commission of, uh, for Gender Equality and Andy Kawa is founder of Kwanele Enough Foundation. So Andy, talk to me about these internal structures because uh, yesterday we had the, the young lady involved in the Stellenbosch uh, incident who said, you know, who had initially not opened uh, an internal process, but the university seemed uh, you know, to almost be hamstrung or limited in terms of how far it could get involved. But we know that there was a case opened with the police as well that triggered the suspension of, of the student. Well, Kathy, uh, to be honest, I cannot speak on um, the internal processes of Stellenbosch because uh, I can only talk about the fact that I had high-level discussions in the, in 2024 about the concept of zero-tolerance um, campuses. And that concept, for me, includes the fact that uh, the, any university that embraces the zero-tolerance concept needs to act decisively and quickly on dealing with an accused. And they, an accused has to be suspended as an accused. But you cannot have the perpetrator and the victim roaming, walking in the same campus because the, pep- the victim is traumatized. And it is re-traumatization to have that... Um, perpetrator there. Mm. Most of the time, you end up having victims leaving the university and, uh, and ending up their studies and, and sacrificing uh, their future because they are afraid of perpetrators and all the aftermath that happens when you are a rape victim. And you have, you have perpetrators on one side 
continuing their education, getting their degrees, and continuing with their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Javu, that's really the difficulty here, that, you know, again, the, the victim is almost continuously punished for having gone through that experience that was not of their own making, that they end up paying for that crime for the rest of of their lives. While often, you know, the suspects in the matter get to move on. They get to have normal lives. Nothing changes effectively for them. Yes. So I feel that, uh, Kathy, what I want to emphasize is that are the universities I engaged with. Uh, we talked about the concept of zero tolerance and what it means and what a university can do mm. in order to create that culture of zero tolerance and what happens, what they need to do when an incident happened. And then universities took their, took, uh, uh, went their own way in deciding how they as the university will deal with that. Much as I don't know what happened at Stellenbosch, I recommend, I, I commend the fact that the perpetrator was, the, the, the alleged perpetrator was suspended until uh, internal disciplinary action is done. All right. Because I think that otherwise the victim becomes victimized on campus and will end up leaving campus while the perpetrator continues uh, to enjoy the process of learning. All right. Andy, thank you so much for coming on to the show and for being part of the conversation. Andy Kawa, the founder of the Kwanele Enough Foundation. Uh, Javu, let me give you the last word here because the big question now is that how do we have accountability where there isn't, you know, a uniform application or approach towards policies. I think you won't have a, a university that publicly says, uh, you know, we don't have a, a, a culture of zero tolerance towards rape. But what is actually done um, when these matters are complained is, is what reveals the true position of these institutions. On what we're calling for cases as a commission is that, you know, the, the ministry and the Department of Higher Education and Training and other councils that are there, they're supposed to, that, that council which looks at issues of gender-based violence, working with ourselves as a gender commission and the Human Rights Commission, supposed to be strengthened and also ensure that, you know, vice councillors and senior management in the KPAs supposed to have this element of dealing with gender-based violence within their contract. As long as they don't have that, as long as these gender desks are there, but they're not doing anything, they're just there just to, to save face. We will never, never eradicate this case at university. And also, because some of these things, cases are allegedly being done by lecturers. It's not only students, it's right from the, uh, the lecturer's point of view. So as long as, you know, we don't show um, action that, you know, we can deal with this decisively, instead of suspending people where we have got evidence, Fire them from the university, blacklist them for 10 years. They mustn't attend any university in South Africa or anywhere in the world. And that can help cases because the very same student who was reluctant to, to, to lodge a case with the police definitely knows that, you know, 
the, the society of Stellenbosch will be against that student day in and day out. That student might end up withdrawn from the courses because of societal pressure. All right, Javu, let's leave it, leave it there for this morning. Javu Baloyi is a spokesperson for the Commission of Gender Equality.